Well, I want to welcome you to the first podcast hosted by Broken and Mended. The name of this podcast is In the Seams, and I'll get into uh, during the podcast why why I'm calling it that. And uh, so this is an ex- exciting new way for us to reach out, though. Uh, Broken and Mended has been around in some form since 2018. It started as a local support group for people in chronic pain and chronic illness. Uh, it has expanded into a, a nonprofit, and there there's more than one support group now, and in various locations, and I think uh, you know one of the things we're we're wanting really to go toward is uh, offering more content in terms of blogs and guest blogs, as well as podcasts and podcast interviews. And this very first one, it'll just be me. My name is David Hefflin, and I'm the founder and president of Broken and Mended. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about my story today, is to kind of set the stage so you can know what Broken and Mended is. Um, but obviously, we're trying to target people that, and if you're listening, I'm assuming you probably have have chronic illness, you've got chronic pain, uh, perhaps you're in the trenches with a loved one that does and you want to be more supportive of them or you're just going through a difficult time because certainly it affects everyone uh, that is in a family or that is close to someone who is going through that experience. You know, chronic pain and chronic illness are, are game changers. They're not just some inconvenience or some, uh, you know, minor amount of pain you've got to tolerate for, uh, you know, for you know, a number of years, if, if someone thinks that's because they have not, they've not experienced it. it, it really does change everything. And, you know, that has been the case, you know, for me as well. And there are, there's a lot of fallout that comes from chronic pain and chronic illness. Uh, when you're talking about your, your mental health, uh, it could certainly be disability involved. Uh, I've known people, I've been fortunate to be able to keep my job, but certainly people have lost their jobs because of it. People lose their social lives. Sometimes they lose relationships. And so there, there, there's a lot of fallout from it. And I believe that it is an overlooked uh, population when it comes to those people in the church. This is a Christian ministry. Anyone is welcome, but certainly I'm approaching this from a Christian perspective. And when, we, when we're when we talking about the church, uh, talking about ministries in the church, you will find precious little for those that are dealing with chronic pain and chronic illness, despite the fact that this is not something, you know, unless God chooses to heal you, it's not something that you're going to get over in, you know, in this lifetime. Uh, you, we can treat it, but we're still having to live with it, live with the consequences of it. Uh, there, there are a lot of things people go through for a season. That's the issue with chronic pain. Why it's so debilitating is that it's not a season; it is, it is ongoing. And so, I want to welcome you here today. It's not my goal to make you feel worse about it. Uh, you know, by reminding you why it's so difficult, you know that. It's really my goal, rather, to share with you uh, a way in which we can help you grow in your, your walk with Jesus. Uh, there, there's really kind of two different things that I, I think that we're, we're trying to do in Broken and Mended, and that's connecting hurting, hurting people to Jesus and to each other. Um, and you may say, well, I'm already connected to Jesus, and that that, that may be very well be true. Uh, but the idea is maybe then to help you stay connected or to help you deepen your, your walk with him through this difficult time that you're going through. Um, and, and the other is to, to build community. And the podcast can only do that in a limited way. And so there are other ways that we do that in Broken and Mended, and I'll talk about that later on. But basically, we want to make available spiritual resources to help you stay connected to Jesus. And we want to host important spiritual conversations from various walks of life with people who are going through something similar to what you are going through. 
And so that's what we, we hope to do with this podcast. And we hope that eventually we'll reach out to enough people to really make a, a sizable difference uh, for those that are going uh, through chronic pain and chronic illness, uh, especially those who are trying to do to do so from the perspective of the Christian faith. There are some other things out there and, and uh, you know, besides broken and mended when it comes to chronic pain and chronic illness ministry, uh, I hope to collaborate and to coordinate and cooperate with those other ministries. And so this is not a territorial thing at all. Besides that, the territorial is uh the territory is quite expansive. And so if if 10 brand new Christian ministry, nonprofit ministry started up for this very purpose, uh, we would only be scratching the surface of it right here in this country. And this certainly can be, uh, we could talk about this on a global scale, but the amount of people that have chronic pain and illness, of course, is, uh, is, is tremendous. And so uh, there's certainly not any possibility of saturation when it comes to this, and we want to work with other people. We want to try to connect with other people, and that's what we're going to be doing uh, in this podcast. Most podcasts will be me interview, interviewing someone about their journey and their story. I want to share a lot of stories. Hey, you may even be invited sometime if I get to know you uh, or you got a story you want to share and talk about. Love to love to know that. And perhaps uh, you'll get to share your story in this podcast with other people. And then that'd be something you could share with your other podcast listeners that are in your family and your loved ones. Say, hey, listen to my story. Maybe help them understand just a little bit more what you know, what you're going through. Uh, the goal here is probably to offer this every other week, if, as far as I'm able. Uh, the alternate week, we'll have something up uh, as a new blog post, which you can check out on brokenandmended.com. And, and so that's that's what we're what we're hoping to do. Uh, and we want you to listen to the podcast. So you can stay connected to our, our ministry, our community. Uh, again, there are blogs and resources and support groups. Um, and we hope this will be a an important offering as well. I'll tell you a little bit about my story, and I'm going to do a quicker version. I've learned to say it a little bit more quickly. In the early days, I think I tried to say everything about my story, and that, um, you know, because every little detail and twist was was so new and so um, amazing as well as disorienting to me, and so I... Um, you know, obviously when I'm now looking at a story that's going on 11 years, I think I have to, uh, take a step back and look at the big picture. But in telling this story, I don't want to rip out the emotion of some of those twists and turns. And so, uh, as I kind of recount it to you, uh, I want you to know that when I was going through this, as it probably was with you and is with you as you're going through these things, it was, it was difficult. And not knowing what was going to come in every doctor's appointment and and my wife and I talking about it after every doctor's appointment. And every time we'd get a test result back, every time we'd get another diagnosis or find out that they didn't have a diagnosis, uh, you know, that the, all these uh, emotional twists and turns uh, were were difficult. I can remember w- the song Mourn had come out during those days. Uh, that's a song by 10th Avenue North. If you've never listened to that, I'd, I'd recommend it. it. It's a lament. And it uh, is there's a good music video with it you can find on YouTube as well. And I remember listening to that song, my wife, and being in tears as, as we were kind of getting to a critical juncture. None of this, we didn't sign up for any of this. It's not what we wanted. Uh, of course, that's true for all of you that are listening as well. And so you're having to adjust. Your life is changing as you're going through this. Um, 
my story really begins back in 2011 when I got involved with uh, martial arts and Taekwondo. And I was uh, also getting ready to run a 10K that was going to be hosted in our town in June. None of this was normal for me. I, yes, I had taken Taekwondo when I was a kid, but I mean, as an adult, I was out of shape. I uh, wanted to get into shape and kind of my all or nothing personality probably took on a bit much, to be honest. I um, but I was losing weight quickly. I was getting in shape pretty quickly, feeling very good. Uh, by the time I got to mid-March, so that all started in January, by the time I got to mid-March, so two and a half months in, honestly, I was as, as good a shape as I'd been in my adult life. But something happened in mid-March that would turn would turn out to be life-changing. I just didn't know it at that time. And I, I felt a sharp pain in my in my left hip. Um, and while I was doing kicking drills and Taekwondo, which I attributed to just being, you know, inflexible or, or maybe pushing it too hard and, and, uh, thought it was muscular. And so I didn't think a whole lot of it other than I would have to protect that a little bit, uh, as I continued to do the, the running as well as the martial arts. Actually, two days later, I did the same thing to my right hip, less severe, but both hips all of a sudden were in pain. Um, which is unusual for a muscular injury, but I still thought that was what it was, to be honest. I thought, my goodness, my hips are really inflexible, and and so now I've got a problem, but I didn't stop. I didn't stop doing what I was doing. I tried to get help. Everyone had recommendations for me. I went to a doctor at some point that wasn't all that helpful. Um, People wanted me to go to the chiropractor because they were convinced it wasn't really in my hip joint. The thing was, I knew it was in my hip joint because, I mean, it it was very localized in both hip joints. As unusual as that was, that's what was going on. But I kept pushing through it, and I just decided that I'd run the 10K, and then I'd shut down for a couple months. And so I did that, you know, and and I, I did the 10K, I think something like June 10th is what comes to mind. And I shut down for two months until August, uh, thinking that if it was a muscle injury, it would get better. When I started up again in August, uh, and this is before I went back to Taekwondo class, I just, I just kind of was doing some stretching and kicking drills on my own. My hip was not at all better. And I knew then that I had a significant issue, um, that this was something beyond the norm. And this began kind of the more the medical side of things. Um, in fact, I think some of the stuff I mentioned earlier about going to the doctor and the chiropractor didn't really happen until that fall, because then I started to think I got to go figure out what's going on. And so um, I won't go through every twist and turn as it relates to doctor's visits. They, the, the first couple of doctors I, I had were not very helpful. Uh, in fact, they were probably harmful in what they advised me to do because they told me to keep doing it. And one even suggested it was all in my mind. So I've been through some of that. Um, but thankfully, I got over to an orthopedic surgeon later that year, and he was not the one that would end up doing my hip operations because I needed an arthroscopic hip surgery. But he knew immediately that the other two doctors didn't know what they were talking about and that I had a significant problem. Uh, long story short, when I got over, by this took me till May of 2012, so over a year later, I finally get over to a orthopedic surgeon in Albuquerque. I was living in Portales, New Mexico at the time. And so a three and a half hour drive, but nonetheless, in Albuquerque is where I was. And, um, and so the doctor there, uh, you know, knew that I had a hip impingement and torn labrals in both hips and they had to be surgically repaired. And the left one was particularly bad. So one other thing happened in that visit though, that was not expected. And that was that, uh, he saw something else. He saw in the x-rays that I had some narrowing joint space in my SI joints. And he knew that was not normal. 
Um, he knew something was going on. And uh, first time I ever heard the word ankylosing spondylitis. Now, he didn't diagnose me with ankylosing spondylitis, but he thought something like that was happening. Uh, you may not know what that is. I'll get to that in a moment. So, look, I, my thought was still, okay, but if I have some underlying disease, it doesn't change the fact that I need the hip surgery. So let's just do that because I thought it would make me feel better. Um, and so we did do the hip surgery, but we were not yet treating this underlying cause. This ended up being a mistake, but it's not one that I could have really understood was going to be a mistake. And so I, I had the, um, you know, I had the, the hip surgery, but the inflammation got worse in my body. Um, and I began to hurt in those SI joints. Both hips were now inflamed. The recovery from surgery was not going that well. Uh, I went over to see a rheumatologist in August of 2012. So we're coming up on a year and a half now since I hurt my hips. And she was in the room with me five minutes and she told me I had ankylosing spondylitis. So that is an inflammatory arthritic disease. It's a autoimmune disease and it causes my immune system to attack healthy joints and tissues. And if it is untreated, it particularly attacks the spine, although it can attack any place like your hips. Um, but it particularly attacks the spine and it will, if, if it's untreated, ultimately fuse your spine and perhaps other joints as well. So it's a very serious disease in its own right. Um, though it can be treated most of the time and it can be, it can be contained most of the time, uh, still was not going to be a pleasant disease to deal with. And so it was all kind of, a, kind of the beginning of the rabbit hole for me because I thought, well, well, you know, every time I went back, it was some surprise. Maybe it wasn't a new diagnosis, but it could certainly be, well, we're going to try this medicine now. And pretty quickly, she had me on these uh, injections, which, you know, I'd never anticipated that. And these were biologics. Um, the first one I think I took was Embril. You probably have seen a commercial for it or two. And, and so I began to get some pretty serious immune suppressors in my, in my system, in my body uh, to, to hold that in, in check. Um, and I lived with that for about another year, but sometime in 2013, uh, began to have, uh, kind of intestinal symptoms, the abdominal cramping. Um, I mean, pretty significant to be honest with you, laying on the floor, sometimes in the bathroom and in pain and, you know, and, and I was having trouble swallowing as well. And it's like, what is going on? Uh, so went back to the doctor and, uh, was, uh, a GI this time and, and ultimately diagnosed with um, well, I was not diagnosed with Crohn's in the beginning. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, um, they diagnosed me with eosinophil eosinophilic colitis, which is a very rare disease. Um, but I also had eosinophilic, uh, esophagitis and, and eosinophils are just white blood cells that we all have. They react to allergens, but they're supposed to be in certain places in your body and they're not supposed to be in other places. And, and so for me, this was a red flag that I was having these eosinophils show up and, uh, he and this, the doctor thought I might have something called eosinophilia, which is a general disease, systemic disease in the body of having eosinophils. And they can be very dangerous, can get into your heart, can kill you, uh, can get into your liver. And I had some liver troubles at that time. And and so he was suspicious that I had a very significant problem going on, uh, one that could be um Okay, one that could be, um, you know, dangerous or fatal. And so uh, I went and, and got a, um, 
uh, he sent me to the Mayo Clinic and they checked me out. It was kind of weird. I got to the Mayo Clinic. I was having my best, uh, best health and best lab work that I'd had. And they were able to confirm some of the earlier stuff. But the fact of the matter is, is it wasn't as dire as the first GI thought it was going to be. But they did diagnose me with Crohn's, a mild case at that time. Um, and so I now had another autoimmune disease related, I think, to ankylosing spondylitis to, you know, to navigate. But really, we were able to treat that pretty well. It was mainly the arthritic side of the disease that was a problem. And I, um, and I was doing okay emotionally at this time. It wasn't, I mean, it was not, wasn't a great thing. And the financial hardship was not a great thing. But I thought, well, this could have been worse. I can live with this. And I didn't think a whole lot of it. Um, I mean, it was daily present. But, you know, I thought I can, I can handle it. It's just kind of what I thought. Well, things changed again in 2015. So four years later, and we were on vacation in Corpus Christi and, uh, and in uh, Padre Islands, actually, we were staying. So they're kind of the Corpus area and great vacation, by the way, had a great time. But you know what? Um, I started a flare for some reason. Maybe it was just coincidence that we were there on, on vacation, just happened to be when it started. But that flare uh, would bring the arthritic uh, part of my disease to a new level. And so um, in 2015, in the back end of 2015, I was hurting a lot. Um, you know, also just, to, just cause I needed something else. I ended up having a hernia surgery that year, went to Shanghai on a mission trip. And, uh, on that trip in the plane was some of the most miserable hours I remember ever having with this disease and was just in just misery and pain, 15 hour flight to Shanghai. Uh, so we get to Shanghai and a good portion of what we do there is sitting, which is the worst thing with ankylosing spondylitis. And uh, so sometimes for eight hours a day or longer in the coffee shops, because we're there st- reading the story of Jesus with people in China. And that was really awesome. And so it's this weird mix where I was doing something awesome, something that's very memorable to me. Uh, doing it with a good friend of mine uh, that was an elder in my church and also my best friend uh, at the time. Um, and I only say at the time because he's he's passed away and I'll maybe talk about him some other time. Um, but his name was Chris. And, you know, so great memories, but yet it was overshadowed by this just crippling pain. And when I got back from the trip to Shanghai, um, decided needed to do something more aggressive and started to do radio ablation. Um, in layman's terms, the best way I could understand it is we were basically just trying to burn the nerve endings, um, you know, uh, of certain nerves that branched off, you know, the main nerve where I was hurting the most in my back, particularly in the SI joint, uh, tailbone SI joint area. And, and so I could make it possible where I could sit without being in agonizing pain. At that time, I could hardly take a long trip anywhere. I'd have to lay down in a car, uh, you know, if it was a long trip or I, you know, getting through the day at my office, every time I had to stand up, it was painful. It was good to stand up, but it was painful because, um, I, it would get so stiff and, and, and just so much pain would build up while I was sitting. All I could look forward to was, you know, kind of coming home and, and lying down. Um, and the procedures, uh, didn't go as well as I'd hope. It didn't last as long. My insurance didn't allow them to pay for burning all the necessary nerves. And, uh, so it, it just wasn't worth it in the end. And I continued to get worse. In 2016, my right hip, which I did not get surgically repaired like I was going to because, you know, all the trouble I had with the first hip surgery, it began to hurt a lot more. Um, And so I was facing another hip surgery, uh, was in pain all the time, 
And I was looking, I was going, falling into a depression and feelings of isolation and began to realize that I needed some support and started to look for something along the lines of a Christian support group for people in chronic pain, chronic illness. Um, did not find a lot. I did find a few things that were out there, but nothing that was accessible to me. There was not a whole lot of material like books that were written, um, you know, about that sort of thing. I've found some and here and there I can recommend now, um, but there wasn't a lot. And, and it began to have the feeling that uh, there wasn't much out there to help me. And um, I preached a sermon that year and which I told my story. Most people knew what I was going through to some extent, but this is the first time I told it from the perspective of the real struggle that it was with my faith, my mental health. And that that day I had a, a response where we, we give a traditional invitation and people came down asking for prayers and uh, five people came forward. I was one of them. I responded to my own invitation so the elders could pray over me. Four other people came down and I began to see through that experience that this need was not just me. A lot of people felt this and and were struggling. And the idea of starting a Christian support group and developing our own material and our own way of doing it really was planted during that time. Uh, I knew I was not going to be staying in Portales, and uh, that's where we were living at the time. And so I waited really a, a while. It wasn't until the fall of 2018 or maybe August of 2018 or so. Uh, that we started the first support group where I live now in Woodward, Oklahoma. And those those early meetings were amazing. Uh, I mean, we had people that would share their stories and, and be in tears because they'd never told their story like that before. Good tears, I think. Painful tears, but also good tears uh, because it was, it was tears of really, uh, I think, empathy and solidarity. Um, a lot of hugs that were given. And, you know, we were on our way here locally anyway. And we always had people connecting virtually as well. And it wasn't long before we had people connecting from various different places as far away as from Hawaii. Um, and we had a Facebook group so we could also play it live on the Facebook group. We sometimes have people connecting uh, either a- after the fact, you know, like in Scotland. Um, but we had people from all over. It wasn't, I don't want it to make it sound like we had hundreds of people watching, okay? Our Facebook group wasn't even that large at the time. Um, but we had, you know, several dozen people maybe watching the video, the support group at some point, and anywhere from, oh, eight to 12, you know, maybe up to 15 at times, people that would participate live, uh, which was a great start and, and a very, very meaningful time for us. Well, we all know what happened next, right? I mean, we COVID uh, hit, uh, and we had to shut and we had to shut down, uh, you know, from our, our live meetings. But we still met virtually, and we still expanded the ministry that way. Uh, and during this time, we were producing our own materials, and I was writing them. And basically, all it was is we would do a devotional with the discussion, have some prayer time, some sharing time, some story time, and so it was a pretty simple format. But I was formatting that in the form of ultimately what would be a book, and one that we have produced called a you know a leader's guide, uh, as well as a participant's guide. And, you know, the leader's guide now can be used at other locations. Other people can support support group or start support groups. And if that's something you're interested in, we'd want to know about that. Um, but uh, we have participants guides as well that people can work through that complement the, the main group sessions that we do. The book itself has 19 sessions. Um, our group met twice a month at most. And so even over the course of a year, because we would take a couple months off during the summer, we would not finish a whole book. Uh, in fact, probably that book could get us through a better part of two years. 
Um, but anyway, I, I got ahead of myself a little bit because I did want to tell you how we got the name Broken and Mended. It's also kind of how the name of this podcast came about in the seams. But Broken and Mended uh, was inspired by uh, the Japanese art form of kintsugi. Uh, and it's either kintsugi or kintsugi. I think it's G. Um, but uh, anyway, you could look that up if you want to. But that's a Japanese art form where you have broken pottery, a broken uh, glass of some kind where you fuse it back together. You mend it back together uh, with gold in the seams. Um, it could be a different metal, too, but it's often gold. And the idea then is in the brokenness and in the seams is more beautiful than it would have been had it never been broken. And that's the message we're trying to convey with Broken and Mended is that it's in the seams of our brokenness that God's glory, um, you know, shines through, that it's in our weakness that his strength is made perfect, that in other words, that it is made manifest to others. And when we don't believe that God is through with us just because we've experienced brokenness. In fact, we think that that ultimately makes us more valuable in God's kingdom. And I know when you're down and you can't get out and you can't get to church and you can't be involved in this ministry, it may not feel that way. So part of what we're trying to do is help people discover that. And, and that's what Broken and Mended is about. Discover how that can still be true in their lives. And, and it may look different for everyone, but I don't believe that God is through with anybody who is suffering and yet staying faithful to him. And so there's a lot of hope in that image. Uh, the, the title in the seams of our podcast, of course, comes directly from that as well, as we think about the gold in the seams. And, and that's what uh, we're trying to, how we're trying to frame our chronic illness and chronic pain. Please don't take that to mean that I'm trying to say that it, it's a, that in itself, it's a good thing or that it's an, e- an easy thing to deal with. Cause I'm actually, it's quite the opposite. If it was an easy thing to deal with, we wouldn't be here uh, on this podcast or in our support groups or on our website. And so that's, uh, that's that's a story, a really broken and mended how it came together. Uh, we organized last year into a nonprofit, began to expand to other locations for our support groups, um, and then have since added now this feature with the podcast and many other big plans. Uh, the main big plan I want to say is that we're going to be revamping our website, and, and I'm talking about a major overhaul. And in fact, we got to raise the money for that to be possible because um, it's it's not a, it's going to be a cheap thing at, at all. But we're, you can go to brokenamended.com and check that out if you want to right now. And you'll see, well, that kind of looks, you know, there's some nice features, but it looks a little homemade. Uh, you know, it's 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 basically a blog that we've converted into a, a fuller website. But uh, we're going to have it as a full service website that's a hub where we connect to other ministries, where we build community, where we have our podcast, where we have our blog posts. It's a it's a place that I would think that you would want to visit at least a couple times a week each week once we get it up and running. Look at look for that, though, maybe about uh, somewhere before mid-year, but maybe in the second quarter of the year. Uh, we're working on the fundraising aspect of that now. Um, and we, we do have a partner who's willing to help us uh, build the website once the time comes. But we're going to be build, building that from code, from scratch, and it's going to be a great website once we once we get it up and going. Uh, so for now, what I would say, check that out if you want. Follow In the Seams as a podcast. Uh, we want you to, um, you know, certainly check out our website and the, and the blog posts that are there. I've written several dozen of those over the years and you maybe be someone that connects with you as you scroll through there find us on social media uh i don't i'll maybe can put it in the show notes or something i don't have it here in front of me the uh uh, the name of the facebook 
well, the name of the Facebook group is just is just broken and mended. And we have a private group, but we also have a page. So you can find us in either of those places. Uh, the group, though, is kind of where we really do the ministry. Um, and then, of course, we have the support groups and the guides. If you're interested in getting plugged into one of those or you would like one of the participants guides or even one of the leaders guides, I'd be happy to get that to you. So that's, I want to keep this uh, brief, um, keep it short for this time. I'd like to keep these between 30 and 35 minutes on average. I know there's a lot of great podcasts to listen to, but I hope that this can be a place where you get ministered to in your chronic pain and chronic illness here at In the Seams. So again, this is David Heflin, and I'm going to be signing off for now and just grateful that you have joined us for this first podcast.